Revelations 2, verses 14 through 16 says, I have a few things against you. See, Jesus, God is writing to the church in Revelation, and he's telling them he loves them. He died for them. He wants to redeem them. He has all these great plans for them. But he has a few things against them. Because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam. Someone say Balaam. Balaam. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent. Someone say repent. repent. He says, you have these problems, but repent. Make it right or else I will come to you quickly and I will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. You have an issue in your life, and today is the day you can repent. If not, there are the consequences. He will fight you with the sword of his mouth. I'm going to preach for the next few moments on when life lays down on you. Look to your neighbor and say, when life lays down on you. You may be seated. See, people believe the lie that when they live for God, everything is going to be easy. It's known as the prosperity gospel. It's the belief that financial blessing and physical well-being are always the will of God for the people that seek after God. It's the same principle that drives a young child to clean their room or do their chores. They think if they're good enough or if they do enough good things that maybe, just maybe, mom or dad will buy them a toy. They say, I I didn't get in trouble at school today. May I have a piece of candy? No, you're just supposed to act good anyways. If they eat all their vegetables, then they'll say, well, can I get dessert? And then this one's my favorite. I said, I'm sorry to her. That means I don't get a spanking, right? They think if they do enough good that somehow their parents will then just automatically give them every and good thing. Brother Jerry Jones said, if good things only happen to good people, then when bad things happen to us, it must mean that we are bad people. When I'm serving God and things should always go good, then when bad things happen, it must mean that I'm not serving God. If God loves me, then he should only send me good things. And if bad things are happening, that means God doesn't love me. That's a horrible and misled doctrine from the word of God. The prosperity gospel is not true because the truth of the matter is bad things happen to good people. If bad things ever happen to you, raise your hand. Man, go ahead, run the aisles on that right now. But we must look to the word of God as to why bad things happen to us. There are four overall principles that I can find in scripture. Number one is bad things happen just because. Matthew 5, 35 says, he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain tomorrow on Memorial Day on the just and on the unjust. Sometimes bad things just happen. We get stopped for the random check at the airport. I was at an airport one time and I told the guy, I said, hey, come over here. I want to ask you a question, but keep it private. He said, what is it? I said, I, I have a sword in my bag. I take it everywhere I go, but I want to let you know, like, you're my friend, so just help me to get through. And then he was like, are you serious? And he flagged one of the other guys to come, and I opened my bag. It was my Bible. So I, I deserve that one. Bad things happen not just because. that I deserve that one. Sometimes we just get a flat tire just because we need to stop blaming the devil for everything. Oh, the devil's trying to get me. No, you haven't put gas in your car in a week. Of course your car's breaking down. It's not the devil's fault. It's ours sometimes. Bad things just happen. Sometimes when you're typing a text message, the autocorrect on your phone puts in a bad word. You accidentally send it because you weren't paying attention. It shines and rains on the just and the unjust. But we must have a positive attitude and a right spirit when bad 
things happen. I remember that old song, I've had some good days. I've had some bad days, but all of my good days, they outweigh my bad days. I, I won't complain. And that's how we have to live every day because bad things happen just because. Someone say just because. Number two is bad things happen to test our faith. James 1 verses 2 through 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. See, sometimes bad things happen to test our faith. It reminds me of the story of Joseph in the coat of many colors. So sometimes bad things happen just because. Sometimes it's to test our faith. And then number three, Bad things happen to prove God's faithfulness. It's like the story of Job when he lost everything. See, Job would probably at the beginning was confused as to what did I do wrong? But he didn't realize that in heaven the devil was tempting God saying, people only live for you because you blessed them. If you take away the blessings, then they're going to stop living for you. So God said, consider my servant Job. And the devil took all his family and the livestock and just destroyed his whole life and then eventually even gave him boils. And Job still lived for God. So sometimes bad things happen so that we can prove God's faithfulness. Amen. And then number four, this one is the one I want to preach about today. Sometimes Bad things happen to get our attention because we aren't living according to God's will. This doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It means he loves us enough to get our attention so we can get right with him. It's like the shepherd and the ox goat. Sometimes they prod the sheep and it hurts and it's uncomfortable, but that's because the sheep are going the wrong way. You're trying to direct the sheep a certain way. It's like the story of Jonah who was swallowed by the whale because he was against the will of God. Saul, who was also going to be called Paul, he was blinded by the light because he was going to persecute the church, the children of Israel wandering in the wilderness. God does things sometimes. He allows bad stuff to happen so that he can get our attention. Revelations 3, 19 through 20 says, as many as I love, he's talking about the people he loves, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Change your inner self or your way of thinking, your sinful behavior, and seek God's will. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me, meaning that he will restore them. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one through 32 says, If we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that, he, that we may not be condemned with the world. Sometimes bad things happen because God's trying to get our attention. God wants us to live according to his word. In fact, this is the love for God. To keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, according to 1 John 5, 3. So when we compromise, there are consequences. But God loves us enough that he'll give us grace to repent. He'll give us an opportunity to make it right with him. So today we must check our hearts. Are bad things happening because God's trying to get my attention so that I stop compromising? When life lays down on you, someone say when life lays down on you. When life lays down on you, God is trying to get your attention because he wants you and I to repent. When studying Revelation 2, verses 14 through 16, I discovered that the church in Pergamum, who John was writing to at this time, was too tolerant of evil. Pergamum was the vile capital of the Roman province of Asia. Verse 13 relates Pergamum to the place where Satan lives. See, the church there was in the world, and unfortunately, they were too much like the world. And John wrote to that church in Pergamum that this is the place where Satan sits on the throne. His point was to get the church to think and to search their hearts as to who is sitting on the throne in their lives. Is it God or is it the devil? 
Because he understood that either he is Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. So he was calling to the church to repent. And the angel of the Lord told this church that they are compromising and they needed to repent or there would be eternal consequences. Because there are consequences to our compromise. What we watch, what we listen to, the things we think, the conversations we have, the places we go, the people we hang out with can negatively affect us. See, one day I was about to watch a movie uh, about a year ago, and I was talking to Natalie about it while she was on the phone, and I told her about it. And so she went and looked up the trailer because she thought it was interesting. It probably had something to do with war. I love documentaries and things of that nature. So she looked up the trailer, and after a few moments of watching it, she stopped it and asked, are you really going to watch that? Now, we ain't married yet. Look, woman, I'll tell you a thing or two. I told her it wasn't that bad. I'm a preacher. I go and look at imdb.com and it has a parental guide and all the bad things that are in the movie before I watch any movie. I have protective programs on all my devices so that nothing bad can come across my screen. She then asked, would you let our kids watch that? But you know how us guys are. We act tough when they're not around. I tried to logic with her and I, I was convicted of my own stupidity. I told her, of course I wouldn't let our kids watch that, but the movie isn't bad for me. It's like smoking, Natalie. I would not want my kids around smoking because their lungs are still developing and it secondhand smoke kills. So, you know, I, I wouldn't want them to do that. I stopped mid-foolishness and realized after I said I shouldn't watch it either because smoke could kill me too. And so what we allow in our homes can negatively affect us. I have to make sure the things I watch, the people I follow on social media... The conversations that I have, so and make sure I don't get desensitized or compromise the word of God in my own life. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 16 says, What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of God. There should be nothing that is displeasing to God in our lives. And so we can't afford to compromise. And just like the church in Pergamum, there are unfortunately saints that have compromised and are on the path that will rip their families apart, demolish their marriages, Snatch happiness from their lives, cause financial difficulties, produce anxiety, depression, anger, bitterness in their loved ones and in themselves. Cause illness, sickness, and disease. Rob them of their joy. But it won't only destroy their lives here, but it will also send them to a place where there is fire, there is weeping, and there is gnashing of teeth. But thank God that there is grace in the house today. That no matter what our sin is, no matter how far you've gone, today you can repent. Where sin abounds, grace does more abound. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what your family history is what your story is God is here today to forgive you God is here today to restore you God is here today to deliver you God is here to save you but what has to happen is we have to repent so when life lays down on us it is God trying to get our attention so that we can repent in the verse that we read from Revelation John mentioned Balaam someone say Balaam See, Balaam was a magician. He was a soothsayer. He was a son of Beor of Pethor. Balaam was summoned by the Moabite king Balak to curse the Israelites before they entered Canaan. The Israelites camped in the plains of Moab on the side of Jordan across from Jericho. The Moabites were terrified because of how many Israelites they were, and they heard about the crazy amazing things that God did to the Egyptians that were persecuting and hurting the Israelites. 
And King Balak told Balaam in Numbers 22, verses 5 through 6, Look, a people has come from Egypt. See, they cover the face of the earth and are settling next to me. They're getting in my space. Therefore, please come at once. Curse this people for me. They are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. And God told Balaam in verse 12 that he is not allowed to go with the Moabites or to curse the children of Israel. King Balak sent more money and basically said, here is a blank check. Because in verse 16, he says, let nothing hinder you from coming to me. I will certainly honor you greatly. I'll do whatever you say to me. Therefore, please come and curse this people for me. Balaam was persistent and God told him, if, someone say if. God said, if the men come to call you, then you can go. But without hesitation, Balaam rose in the morning. He saddled his donkey and went to curse the children of Israel. God was so angry that he sent an angel as an adversary against Balaam. Balaam is going down the road riding his donkey. Remind me later about the name of the donkey. Look to your neighbor and say the donkey's name. In Numbers 22, verse 23, the donkey. Someone say the donkey's name. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord. With a sword in his hand, the donkey turned aside out of the way into a field. The donkey turned away unexpectedly, and Balaam hit the donkey to make it turn back to the road. How many of y'all have ever rode a donkey before? They're pretty crazy, right? Brother Cressman owned a donkey named Mr. Jones. The donkey's name was Mr. Jones, and that donkey was crazy. I had to hit it one time in the face because it ran me into a thorn bush. I was so mad. Donkeys can be stubborn. And then in verse 24, the angel stood in a narrow place with the wall on both sides. Verse 25, the donkey. Someone say, the name of the donkey. The donkey saw the end of the Lord with the sword and ran into a wall trying to get away. And Balaam hid the donkey again because his foot was crushed against the wall. First, the donkey turned away unexpectedly. Then the donkey has now caused him pain. Then in verse 26, the angel moved to a place where there was no way for the donkey to go right or to go left. And the donkey had nowhere else to go but straight. The donkey saw, someone say the name of the donkey. The donkey saw the bladed piece of steel that was made for slashing and thrusting. And the donkey saw the piece of metal that this angel had in his hand and thought about how the angel keeps getting in his way. And the donkey figured that the angel is about to kill Balaam. And so the donkey lay down. The donkey just said, I can't go left. I can't go right. I can't go backwards. There's nothing I can do. And the angel's about to kill Balaam. So I'm just going to lay down. And Balaam got so angry this time that he took his staff, this stick, and he hit the donkey. Now, this is the amazing part of the story. Verse 28. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. Now, pause the sermon and just think for a moment. An animal, besides a parrot, Kaya and Vivian, they corrected me that, you know, parrots talk too. But a donkey, not a parrot, a donkey started talking. Imagine what you would do. And Balaam, not surprised at all, apparently not surprised at all, starts to talk back with this donkey. Well, yeah, I forgot to tell you that the donkey's name is life. Someone say life. Look to your neighbor and say the donkey's name is life. And this donkey named Life asked Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me three times? 
And then verse 29, Balaam apparently was not shocked that life just spoke to him because he talked right back and said, you have abused me. I wish I had a sword because, man, this staff ain't doing the job and I would kill you. And in verse 30, life, the donkey spoke back to Balaam. Life told him that I have been a good donkey to you. And Balaam responded, yeah, you have. And then verse 31, then God opened Balaam's eyes and Balaam saw the angel of the Lord with the sword drawn to kill him. And the angel of the Lord said unto him, why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would have also killed you by now and let the donkey live. Balaam repented and was not killed by the angel that day because life laid down on him. If it wasn't for the donkey named Life, Balaam wouldn't have been killed. Sure, it wasn't what Balaam wanted nor expected when life took a turn. Sure, Balaam did not enjoy the pain that life caused when trying to save him from the angel. It seemed counterintuitive for life to just lay down when Balaam was trying to live in his own way and he had somewhere to go. But Balaam learned that day that when life laid down on him, it was to save his life. And that's how it is in our lives. When we compromise, when we live according to our will and not his will, when we decide to sin, sometimes life takes an unexpected turn. Sometimes life causes pain. Sometimes life just lays down and it feels shattered and broken. But that's not because God hates you. Bad things can happen because God is trying to get your attention. He's trying to get you to repent. So don't get mad at God. Don't feel forgotten. But instead, why don't we all repent and say, God, you laid down my life so that I can repent. It's the person living in fornication that has an unexpected turn of a child out of wedlock. And there's a shame and pain that you feel less than others. And then it just life lays down because it feels like there is no hope. It's a person that's compromised and just watched stuff that they shouldn't have watched. They get caught and there's the pain of the consequences and they feel their life is over. They can't have a successful relationship. The person that becomes desensitized because of media and they become numb to the presence of God. Then, they, then there is the pain of feeling lost while in church. And then life lays down on you because you feel that you lost a chance to get right with God. And you can see all these people worshiping and crying and you just can't lift your hands. You just can't worship. You just can't break through that anymore. The person that has made bad decisions and squandered all of the family's money. There's a pain of not being able to provide and then it feels like they're is no hope. The person that lives immorally, that has the unexpected turn, that bad things start happening. Then there is the pain, the guilt, the shame, the hurt, the regret. Then ultimately life just lays down and you feel like it is all over. But I've come to preach to you today that yes, life has taken an unexpected turn. Yes, there is pain in your life. Yes, your life may have laid down and it seems like it's all over. But there is grace for you today that if you repent, God will forgive you. If you repent, God will restore you. If you repent, God will deliver you. He'll cleanse you. God will save you today. So come on, Pergamum, the church. You've got to repent because if not, there's going to be consequences. Life has laid down on you, not because God hates you, but because God loves you enough to save you from your sins. He's trying to get your attention today. Life is hard. Life is shattered. Life is broken because God loves you. And he sent me here today to tell you, repent. Repent. Stop where you're going and turn to God. Get right with God today. You might feel like there is absolutely no hope, but God has allowed life 
to lay down on you because he wants to save you. Nathan French told me a story about a school teacher who was assigned to visit children in a large city hospital. And she received a routine call requesting that she visit a particular child. The teacher took the boy's name and room number down and was told by the teacher on the other side of the line, we're studying nouns and adverbs in this class now. I'd be grateful if you could help him with his homework so he doesn't fall behind the others. It wasn't until the teacher got inside, right outside the boy's room, that she realized that she was in fact standing inside of the burn unit of that hospital. And no one could have prepared her to find a young boy horribly burned from an accident and in great pain. The teacher felt that she couldn't just turn around and walk away. So she stammered awkwardly inside and said, Hi, Timmy, I, uh, I've come to the hospital. I'm your hospital teacher, and your teacher sent me to help you with your nouns and your adverbs. This boy was in so much pain that he barely responded. The young teacher stumbled through his English lesson, ashamed at putting him through a senseless exercise. She said, goodbye, Timmy. And she left in tears that night. The next morning, a nurse on the burn unit asked her, what did you do to Timmy? Before the teacher could finish her outburst of apologies, the nurse interrupted her. No, you don't understand. We have been so worried about Timmy that he wouldn't make it. But ever since you were here yesterday, his whole attitude changed. He is fighting back. He is responding to treatments. It's as if he decided to live again. Would you stand? She walked into the burn unit and Timmy looked at her with a smile and joyful tears. And the boy said, they wouldn't have sent you here to teach me nouns and adverbs if I was a dying boy, would they? You wouldn't be here to teach me if I had no chance of making it. That must mean that I am going to live. And God sent this preacher here today into the wreckage of your life to let you know that it is not over. But God has let life lay down on you to save you from where you're at so that you don't have to compromise. That if you repent, he'll forgive you, he'll restore you, he'll reconcile you. But today you have to make up in your mind. I'm not worried about anybody else. Life has taken an unexpected turn. Life has caused so much pain. And now life is just laid down. And I feel like it's all over. But what you have to realize is life has laid down on you to save you. Because there's an angel with the sword, like in the book of Revelation. And if you don't repent, then the sword of the Lord will reap its consequences in your life. Would you close your eyes right now? 1 John 1, 8, 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So right now, I want you to search your heart. Where have you and I compromised in the Word of God? Because God's trying to get your attention right now. Your life is a wreck, and I'm in the hospital room right now crying out to somebody. You don't have to live like this any longer. You don't have to live with that shame. You don't have to live with that weight anymore. But today, if you repent, God can restore you. Life has laid down on you to save you. Wonder, if that's you today, would you make your way to this altar? If life is just laid down on you, I don't want you to worry about anybody else around you. I don't want you to think, oh, what will they think of me? What will they think of me? It really doesn't matter because God is trying to save you today. Life has laid down on you so that you can repent. And it's not time to go through the motions. It's not time to just let this be another service. But today is the day that you completely become broken before God. Because if not, there are the consequences of compromise. So would you repent today? Now the rest of us, would you join us at the altar? Everyone come and join me at the altar right now.
That's it. It's all, it's all right to cry. I don't want you to hold back in this altar no more. You've been running from God. Come on, Jonah. You're in the belly of the well and you're being digested. If you don't repent, you're going to die. Come on, Saul. You're going to walk around blind for the rest of your life. You better repent today. Come on, lamb. That shepherd loves you so much to poke you, to prod you, to push you in the right direction. Not because he hates you, but he's trying to save you from destruction. That's it. Hands lifted all across this place. Come on, get closer to the altar. Make room for people behind you. Come on, life has laid down on you to save you. Your life is a mess, and God is ready to take it and do something incredible with it, but you got to give him your heart.